G'day, community, and welcome to the Mailbag Podcast. My name is Damo. We've got a lot to talk about heading into round seven, and helping me go through all of your questions is Clarky. How are you doing? Very good, and uh, I'd like to welcome everybody to this round seven edition of the Mailbag, where we definitely only do it in one take. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but people will think about it. Round, round six was an absolute uh, disappointment for me, as in I brought in Heaney this week, who upset me by not by not going as big as I wanted him to. And then Zach Butters. Oh, Zach Butters. Oh, you naughty boy. <laughs> don't know what you're doing to me, but my heart can't take it. To be honest, I don't know what he did to himself. Sounds like he had a bit of gastro earlier in the week, so that, that wouldn't have been fun for him either. Um, yeah, it was weird. My Supercoach team went from round five to round to now preparing for round seven. Round, round six doesn't exist for my team, so we're not going to talk about what happened in that chasm of space we're just going to move forward um excellent we'll talk we'll quickly touch on the elephant in the room which is the grundy injury uh oh boy lots of questions came through regarding grundy before his injury came through uh leck kind of addressed at the beginning of the podcast earlier in the week and he said there's multiple different avenues that you can take there's Braden Proust, not too late to jump on him um Sam Hayes is on the bubble at Port Adelaide. He's not probably not good enough for your second ruck spot, though. Um, you could move to a Jared Witts if you if if you feel so inclined. Riley O'Brien has been doing okay. There's options, and if you don't have Gorn, I guess if you got have 120k sitting there and you can move up, then he's probably the next best option there as well. And of course, Leck also said we can always just move Tristan Sherry into that second ruck spot and use the money to upgrade elsewhere, which um, doesn't feel seem like such a bad idea. But David Noble kind of said a few scary things at his press conference today that he's trying to put CCJ in and he won't rest Todd Goldstein because he's a he's a difficult matchup up forward. So it kind of makes Tristan Sherry's job security look a little bit shaky, doesn't it, Clarky? Three rucks, baby. That's the key to North Melbourne's woes, and I'm sure David Noble really believes that. And David Noble said he was happy with his two rucks, so I don't think Cherry goes out immediately. I think it will be similar to what happened in maybe round one um, or round two. I can't remember how many games CCJ has played. I know he did play in round one, though. Didn't quite work, but Cherry did pull out a good score in round one. Uh, there's every chance that with Ben Mackay out, uh, CCJ comes in, Zeeble goes back, and then for round eight, that's when the real headache starts to begin for their match committee. Where do you sit in this? What are you going to do with Grundy? Well, he's a definite trade, and I think the crux of, of what Lack has said and uh, what you've said there, I think, is your two options really are if you've got the money or you believe in a guy like Wits or O'Brien, I think of the two apart from Gorn, you're either bringing in a guy who you're like, this is him, this is new Grundy, I'm not worrying about this for the rest of the season unless another injury pops up, or you're going to a Hayes, a Pruce, or um, bringing in moving Sherry, as you said, and you're buying yourself time to just upgrade elsewhere. You do make, you make up that points difference by bringing in a Primo in any other line, so don't stress too much I don't think coaches should stress too much about 
okay, like I don't have a set primo R2 or R1, you know, is is this going to be the end of my season? Because it's not if you're bringing in like a Patrick Cripps, if you're bringing in a Callum Mills, Clayton Oliver, Jackson, these guys who are really just sort of proving it week in and week out because lots of people had Grundy. So a lot of people in the same boat, which means there's going to be a lot of fluctuation. So don't stress too much about it, but just make a decision on whether you want to play the long game and see how it pans out and then maybe pick up a Wits or an O'Brien or Gorn if he Gorn happens to tumble down a little bit. Luke Jackson this week is in health and safety. So Gorn's either going to go big or he's going to maybe drop a few points because he's got to do a little bit more around the field. We don't know how that's going to affect it. But making that decision, I think, is going to be the hardest thing. I have gone the Hayes route. I'm buying myself some time. Brought in Hayes to make a bit of money. So I've got a little bit of cash gen. Maximize the cash that I'm getting out of Grundy and put it into big old Paddy Cripps. Um, He's now in my midfield out for Rochelle. And I guess, like I said, you can always go up to Max Gorn if you don't have Max Gorn. Um, Tim Mitchell has actually asked us a question. He's Tim. He's he's asked us a question. Um, Max Gorn has Max Lynch and Bailey Williams in his next three games. So if you don't have Max Gorn, should you move Grundy to get Max Gorn in? Well, you should move Grundy regardless. Yeah. But if you've this got that extra, but if you've got that extra hundred k, then I think it's an easy swap. I think it's a no brainer. Um, people like literally. The game of Supercoach is, you know, it's it's a river, uh, really sort of going in lots of directions and different strengths. Gorn a couple of weeks ago was something that people were asking, do I get rid of Gorn because he's not doing well? And look at him now. So it's it's a very easy trade up if you have the money or if you can make the money. Um, I know as well, a lot of people would have had Jack Hayes, um, who unfortunately has been confirmed will be out for the season, which is absolutely devastating for you know, a young up and coming player to lose a lot of a season to an ACL, but you do make a bit of money from that. If you're downgrading him to like a Rosas, so you can use that money to put directly into Grundy and bring in Gorn. But I don't think, yeah, I think as well with the matchups, even with Luke Jackson out for one week, Gorn's already showing that what he's doing around the field is enough to set him as a premium. Yeah, I think Gorn is. If you can get Gorn by moving Grundy, this is, then it's a, it's a no-brainer. If you have to completely destroy your team, like we said last week about Jack McRae, if you have to destroy your team to get Max Gorn in, then is it worth it? I mean, you're already moving Grundy out, so there's already a key part of your team that's going to have to go out. How many more key pieces do you want to move to get Gorn in if you don't have that 100k sitting there? Josh Rochelle is good to go this this week, so maybe that's how you make up the extra money. It's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what people do in the Brody Grundy space. Yeah, absolutely. And what's interesting is Brody Grundy isn't actually the most traded out player this week so <laughs> at, at the moment. So meaning some people are going to hold Brody Grundy until there is a clear option as a replacement, which is which is quite an interesting tactic. I imagine those people would probably be Hayes, Dixon, Sherry owners. Um, I believe I believe it was it last last week or the week before we had a question um, with one man who was looking at bringing in up to 
five players with, you know, Ruck eligibility or Proust owners, Proust owners as well are probably rejoicing that he's no longer an R3, he's now an R2. And I don't disagree with the idea of holding Grundy if you can't make a clear upgrade or if you don't have a clear upgrade path because at the end of the day, he's not losing money if he's not playing. So you don't you don't lose anything if you have somebody to cover him and you want to go, uh, I'm just going to think about this. Taking the long and slow approach, it saves your trades, it saves your, ment- it saves your mentality as well because you're not panicking to go, how do I fix my team? It's broken, everything's going wrong. But then on the flip side, you've also got a lot of money on your bench and usually money means points. So it's probably not a long-term tactic. It's probably you've got someone in mind who's going to lose... 20 or 30k this week or 20 or 30k 30 to 60k over the next two weeks and you're looking to move them on then but i don't think it's a tactic that you can have long term yeah i think you'd be want to move you'd be wanting to move him on to Hayes or if you don't own Bruce Bruce um or upgrading him to Gorn are probably the three three major moves i would probably outline for people who are looking for ideas those are probably the three big ones We'll move on from that. Um, Mitch Santon has asked on Instagram. He's always getting involved since we reached out to Instagram. Thank you for getting involved, Mitch. Um, love you, Mitch. Who are the best fallen primo targets for this week? So I've gone through a list here. Okay. Yeah. Christian Petrarca is 555K. He's probably the best target under 600K. Yes, I, I do like Christian Petrarca. Scott Pendlebury, Scott Pendlebury isn't fallen, but he is still 538k and has defense defensive eligible. and has dual position. Jaden Short is still basically the same price that he started at, and he's averaging 105 and has basically had five out of six scores at 110 with that yep. one poor score versus Adelaide. Bailey Dale is another one who's basically at his same price for defense. He's averaging 103, but 110 over his last three weeks. And how do you feel about Tom Mitchell? I don't know what's going on. Okay. Um, the, I, I, you know, I have a gripe about this. I have a gripe about Tommy Mitch. I have, I have some issues. What are you doing? You're better than that. But also, you're also doing absolutely everything that you need to bring Hawthorne like into games. So he's not playing bad football, but he's not scoring. He's not. I don't think it seems like he's not putting the team on his shoulders as much, which means that he's not averaging probably as high as we would have expected. He's got a three round average of about 120 odd, um, and that really big score against Geelong. But the three weeks before that, an 80 against North Melbourne. You know, yes, it was round one, but we know that that probably should have been a lot more. Port Adelaide, 82, Carlton, 86, and then a 110, 142, 105 against St. Kilda, Geelong, and Sydney. All three games of those, however, were pretty tightly contested, I would say, at least in terms of what they needed from him. He's absolutely a fallen, but I think he's much more of a liability than some of those other options you've listed. And one other guy as well. Uh, Luke Parker is four hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. 
He's lost 116000 from his starting price, and he's now forward eligible. He's someone who's a very so good happy. chance to end up as a top 8 to 10 forward at the end of this year. And given his dual position eligibility, he becomes a much more attracting prospect. It's He's a really interesting one. It's, it's another question of trust um, and looking at the body of work. I'd probably throw in one other name, which I don't know if you would class as a fallen primo, um, but Tukmiller is currently on a run of pretty poor scores. We know that he's better than that. We know that Stewie Jew seems to be throwing his game plans around a little bit in the way that he's playing. Um, Took was playing on Lockie Neal for a large portion of the Brisbane of the Q clash. Um, but he still had a good number of tackles. He scored a 99 while playing that really weird role. And we saw Matt Rowe's score go up again. So I think, yeah, we'll probably see a bit of an increase in him over the weeks. And what was positive was he basically scored 99 in two and a half quarters. So he, Jeez. so he, he ended the first quarter on, I think single digit score because he gave away three free kicks, like basically as soon as the game started and then didn't really do a lot with the ball and then came off the ground, was off the ground to start the second quarter and then came on and then I don't know what ignited him. Maybe he was given given new instructions, but he basically scored ninety nine points in two and a half or two and th- two and three thirds of a quarter of of a, of of a game. So um, I think I don't. I'm not worried about Tuk Tuk Miller. Yes, he's had a few poor scores over the last three or four weeks, but I think he's someone who's going to turn a corner soon. So he's definitely an option as a fallen primo. Uh, Jamie Gotti and Corey Blackledge, you both asked basically the same question. So we will answer. So we'll, we, I've combined them into one. The first part of it was, is Luke Parker a top 10 forward? And I think we're pretty comfortable in saying yes to that, as we touched on before. Yep. Is he a better trade in than Clayton Oliver? Or is Clayton Oliver too good to pass up at his price? Keep in mind, Clayton Oliver is 618000 And he's not going to be much this cheap for quite a while. Clayton Oliver with... Look, it's going to sound biased, but Clayton Oliver, goaded. Just... I, you can't... If, if you have the opportunity to bring him in now, bring him in now. Like, it's... It's too easy not to pack up, pass up. Lou Parker is great value, but his value is probably going to remain over the next couple of weeks anyway. Um, Clayton Oliver is only going to get more difficult to bring in. The thing about Clayton Oliver is Clayton Oliver has a very, very, very good ceiling. And most of the time, his floor is in the about the, the 90s. He does manage to pump out a random 60 every now and then, but not at the same, uh, at, at the same level as Luke Parker, because Luke Parker has basically assumed the old Isaac Heaney role. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it means that Luke Parker's scoring is more volatile and yes, there'll be games where he scores one thirties and, and like comfortably in the, in, in the hundreds, but there'll also be games where Parker pumps out seventies because he's, parked in that forward line for Sydney and 
I think I like the upcoming games for Melbourne as well a little bit more. Um, Hawthorne, West Coast, and North within the next four. So there's a chance for him to go like 180 points three weeks in a row. Yeah, I think we've got St. Kilda after Hawthorne. So that'll probably, I think that'll be a little bit closer, but I still reckon that's a, an easy 120, 130 game for Oliver. Yeah. So Oliver's probably the, the best trade-in this week, you, you would say. Um, he's too good to pass up at his current price, even though it is above 600,000, and it would mean there might be a third trade need to be tapped into to get the trade done. But also Luke Parker is probably also a top 10 forward. So it comes down to where you need these players in your team. And it's like we, like we've said, uh, which I think has become our new mantra is don't tear your team apart to bring in one person. Think of do make the move. That's going to be better for your team as a whole. If you're losing out on players or if you're going too early on rookies or things like that, just to bring in Clary, then maybe it's not as good a decision long-term, but if it's literally just a either or situation, Oliver all day. What trades are you doing this week, Clarky? So Patrick Cripps has come in for Rochelle and Grundy has gone out for Port Adelaide Hayes. We were talking pre-pod and I was saying I've chosen Callum Mills over Clayton Oliver. Don't believe it to be point chasing because Ooh, if Mills because if Mills was fully fit in the preseason and didn't have an interrupted preseason, I probably would have started him instead of Took Miller. So I'm starting someone or I'm bringing in someone who I already had strong feelings about. I think there's a body of work to suggest that Callum Mills is a good selection. Um particularly through the Sydney midfield. They're playing Brisbane this week, I believe, um, which is probably going to be a good matchup for for Sydney to really get some good numbers through their midfield guys. So I'm expecting Heaney and Mills to probably turn up quite easily. Um, but then they've got Gold Coast, Essendon and Carlton. So look, I don't think you're point chasing, mostly because absolutely in no way uh, would you be picking a guy because you're like, oh, he's going to score 214 every week. Um, that was, it was absolutely freakish, but in like the best way possible because Sydney really willed themselves to that victory. It was some absolutely magnificent football. And just quickly going back to Mitch Santon's question, Patrick Cripps is also great value at $521,000. Oh, yep. Uh, that's why I'm bringing him in this week instead of uh, I could have had any one of my choices, but I think he is the best economical option. Jeffrey head on Twitter. Oh, Jeff. Hey buddy. He's kind of freaking out about his team. He's asked about four questions, but I've chosen the best one. (laughs) Okay. Sorry, Jeff. How many premiums should you have left on your field at this point? I'm going to change his question. Oh thank God! I don't want to. I don't want to play this. How game. how many? And maybe this 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 starts another question. How many keepers should you have left on your field at this point? So, is a premium and a keeper the same thing, or is a keeper someone you're comfortable to hold on to as long as they keep scoring at the level that they are? I think a premium and a keeper should be the same thing. 
but it's often not, if that makes any kind of sense. Like, if Nick Martin continues to score the way that he is, I'm happy to keep him as l- for, as, for as long as I need to. If, if, yeah. if, if Nick Dacos continues to do what he's doing, I'm happy to keep him as long as I need to. Yeah, Will Brady, another one. If he keeps turning up, he's going to keep staying in my forward line. So how many premi- how many keepers should you have left so so sorry I've I've stuffed up the question here how many so how many he's saying how many spots do you have for premiums left on your field so how many players do you still need to upgrade uh I'm sitting I'm just trying to do some quick maths does Jordan Ridley count god damn Jordan Ridley Jordan Ridley probably sits in the point of keep- uh, you- you're keep, gonna keep him out of spite. Keep keeper versus premium probably sits in that argument. Is he a, is he someone you're comfortable to keep, or is he or, or is he a premium? I think he sort of sits in the in the role of you'd prefer 80s from him, him every week than 40s from from a rookie on field. Uh, really, you hurting me. It hurts. It hurts. <laughs> to, an- uh, to, an- to answer the question, I've probably I've got, got seven. I've got five. I think. Yeah, I've got I've got seven. I think if you're somewhere between the five to ten range, depending on obviously your team structure, I think that's probably okay. Like you can you you probably make like saving trades if, if you've not if if you've still got ten if you've still got ten players on the field that you need to upgrade, then you probably haven't made any trades yet, and you probably need to start. Yeah, it's time to get moving. But time um, <laughs> time to. <laughs> yeah, <which is> like, <laughs> time, start, time, start to, time, time to push along now. Start um, getting that rodeo going. I, th- I, th- I think any more than seven to upgrade on your on your field, and either something's gone terribly wrong for your team, and I'm so sorry that this year has been a complete poop for you. But you need you need to get moving with those trades. Oh, I've got eight with the Grundy with the Grundy issue now being a thing for me all right well then clark you got to get moving soon <laughs> i know but I'm, I'm i'm using too many trades i've had so many other issues um so i, think I that, yeah it's it it, it comes it's down tough. to keeper versus premium yeah. if we're talking premiums i have so many places i need to upgrade if we're talking keep keepers then i've got five that I, oh that yeah I need, that, that i need to move yeah, um, it shits me having to look at Jordan Ridley's name on my team sheet every week, but I've got other issues. But he's so he's a keeper. We'll move on to our tips and captains. Ooh, captaincy corner. I'm actually doing quite well. You know, I I've had this theory that I'm either good at super coach or I'm good at tipping, and this year I'm actually equal first in my. Uh, like a, a personal tipping competition. I've never been this good at tips and I'm doing quite averagely at Supercoach because of mistakes that I have made because of how I am as a human. Um, so I'm feeling quite good about this week in tips, if that, that helps. Starts on Friday night here in Perth, West Coast host Richmond at Optus Stadium. You would think Richmond come away from this one fairly comfortably, but West Coast probably aren't that far away from pinching a couple at home. <sighs> I I don't trust West Coast to do anything good. I almost feel like their one win was an accident. Um it's it's got to be Richmond I think on the road. They've 
They've they got to stand for something. They got to stand for something. Jaden Short might be an option, captaincy wise, if you want to be. Maybe the ball's not going to be down there a lot. Maybe a Tim Kelly, if you're feeling particularly balls in, you're one of the three people that own him. I, I, I don't know if this has any captaincy options in it. I feel like if you've got Josh Gibkiss, then maybe you loop him with some, with one of your other rookies. If you, but uh, A little bit of razzle-dazzle with the but, league that, but, 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 but that's not a captaincy option. That's that, that that's a getting the best score on field option. That's a, You know, I'm going to have another small rant here. So I have I have a friend who plays for league. Every week he's telling me about how he's doing some tricky dicky emergency looping. So he tricks his opponent into thinking that his his score isn't as big as it's going to be. Why? That doesn't make sense to me. Somebody explain it to me. Find me on Twitter. Explain it to me. I don't get it. Your score's going to be the same either way. It doesn't matter. It's Why because. It's it's because sometimes the looped score doesn't get added to your total until uh, un- until the final game of the round is completed. But there's no mind game. Your your opponent can't affect your team. You affect your team. <laughs> Who you tricking yourself? I think I think it's when when you look at your matchup and you see your score so much higher than your opponent, you don't make any moves. But then when you lose and your opponent suddenly has the higher score, you start to go, what the hell just happened? That sounds like gabagool to me. <laughs> anyway, uh, Geelong host Fremantle on uh, GMHBA Stadium. Let's not talk about this game for too long because I feel like Geelong are going to completely pants the Dockers. Um, Andrew Brayshaw is probably a VC option in this one. He scored quite well against them last time they played. Uh, I'm tipping Geelong, unfortunately. No, um, no, no, no. Third gripe in a row. You don't tip against your boys, Damo. That's bad juju. I've tipped Fremantle because I don't like, I don't care for Geelong, but you don't tip against your boys. Shout out in the comments. You don't tip against your boys. Bad juju. I'll tell you the one good thing about this game. It happens in the middle of the day on Saturday while I have other things to do. So oh, I thank can't, God. You I don't can't, have to I, talk I can't, to I can't watch it. So <laughs> I'm happy about that. Um, I've, the last two times the Dockers have faced Geelong, it's been it's been terrible. It's been bad times. And yeah, you're I, a different team. This you're second on the ladder, second. You're move, with the big boys now. We'll, Andy we'll, Brayshaw, VC. We'll we'll move on. Adelaide against the Giants. What's happening with the Giants this year? Um, Leon Cameron does not want a job. Apparently. Oh yeah, he um, said that on live TV. Yeah, he, he wasn't ba- even sure if he wanted to continue coaching. So. <laughs> It's, uh, GWS, like, I can't wait. I can't wait for them to get some kind of new coach. I'd like, like Leon, I'm sick of him. I'm sick of him. He's just, does my head in. You're not doing anything good for you. Just leave now. I don't even, it doesn't even matter. Um, Josh Kelly's a good midfielder. Tim Taranto's a good midfielder. Tom Green's a good midfielder. And somehow you still got a bad midfield. Rory Laird, Ben Keys are two options for the vice captaincy in this one. Yes. Tom Green. Riley O'Brien. Potentially. Riley O'Brien um has been doing okay against Rux, but I don't but I don't know if he's a good vice captaincy option. He's against Prucy and Flinny. The Pruce Moose. Um I'd say, I think it's a decent shout. Adelaide at home as well. Like Adelaide just play really good at the oval, so I think I think that's probably 
about it for captains, though. The way the Giants have been dragged through the media this week, it wouldn't surprise me if they come out and show us that the Ferrari is still working all well and good, but uh, I'm tipping Adelaide here. Uh, Melbourne is up against Hawthorne, Tom Sparrow, Luke Jackson, and... Keziah Pickett. And Cozzy Pickett are all out through COVID protocols. Um, Such so, a Ma- so Max Gorn is going to be rucking by himself. And I think it's a good VC option, considering Peter Laddam scored 167 against Max Lynch last week. Um, but Azza has also posted some pretty cool things on Twitter, showing that backup Ruckman sometimes can nullify Max Gorn. Yeah, it's it'll be interesting. I think I think Maxi definitely has it in him for a really big score. He's going to be my captain option of the week, I think. Just because, look, even if it doesn't work out, I don't think he scores low enough that it's going to hurt you significantly. Um, you know, obviously missing Cozzy, missing Jackson, missing uh, Sparrow is big. But, it, I mean, we've got Viney. Viney's coming straight back in. You've got, you know, uh, Jake Lever coming back in this week and you will most likely have, I would say, and I hope Toby Bedford finally gets it off that medical sub and actually gets a game because he's a good young talent. So I think there's still such really good players around him that it's going to be an easy game for him to get a big score. Melbourne by a thousand goals. Yeah, I'm tipping Melbourne as well. St Kilda and Port Adelaide play at Kazali Stadium up in Cairns. It's a weird set of teams to be playing up in Cairns, but all right. Um, Jack Steele is the obvious option here. Uh, then you've also got the likes of Ollie Wayans and Travis Boak that are, have the potential as well. Who yep. knows if Port Adelaide's form against West Coast was a, was a resurgence. Their second half against Carlton the week before was also very good. So hopefully we're seeing Port Adelaide back to their usual selves, and this is a good game. Um, hopefully Zach Butters is is smooth like butter. Hopefully we get a better score from Zach Butters, yes. Yes. Um, happening at the same time, because uh, the AFL are great and have scheduled two games to start at the exact same time. Um, Carlton take on North Melbourne at Marvel Stadium. Patrick Cripps, George Hewitt, Sam Welsh, Adam Chera, all good captaincy options. Nobody from North. Nobody from North. I'm tipping Carlton here. Bit of a who cares cup if you don't go for Carlton. I think I still got to watch it. Um, Collingwood face the Suns on Sunday. Uh, Collingwood without Grundy. So there might get some ascendancy in the center square there. They, um, the Suns managed to overrun Carlton in the center square when Carlton didn't have Mark Pitney. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Suns manage against Collingwood. I think Collingwood, uh, I think Collingwood win this. But I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be a quite a close game because the Suns have managed to arrest themselves and steady themselves in in games. And even against Brisbane, there was a there was there were brief moments where I thought the Suns were 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 coming. I have tipped the Suns because people often miss, uh, not miss, uh, underestimate. Let's say they underestimate them. They have a lot of talent on their list, and I think, like you said, there's real some real moments of brilliance. 
hey, Stewie, let me give you a little tip. Let Matt Rowe play football. Let Took Miller play football. Don't worry about the tagging bullshit. You, those guys, they'll make it happen. You got some good, good young heads in your list there. Um, and Took Miller is also a good captaincy option. Yeah, Took Miller, great captaincy option. Probably. <sighs> Look, you've said it before. How are you feeling about Nick Dacos in this one? What's your vibe? I don't have the vibe on this one. No vibe. Took Miller it is then. Western Bulldogs take on Essendon. Jack McRae is a very good option in this game. So is Zach Merritt, if you manage to still have him. I would also say Darcy Parrish. Darcy Parrish hasn't been mentioned on Essendon's injury report, so hopefully his ankle is okay. But... There's always that owner, chance that, I also agree. <laughs> but there is also that chance that he gets rested or is a late out. Hopefully yep. not for his owner's sake. He um, also seemed to play a little bit better with Merritt in the side, like a much, much better because he probably wasn't copying as much attention and Merritt's still working his, he's probably working his way back in slowly, but I think we can hopefully see a better Essendon. Uh, Jordan Ridley, please, for the love of all that is holy, just just turn up turn up for daddy and then and then other captaincy options obviously is Josh Dunkley Marcus Bontempelli as well yes oh i would say Marcus Bontempelli uh going back to fallen primos or underpriced primos i uh, know he's not super cheap but also some guy a guy who could score you 140 on the odd occasion Marcus Bontempelli is $597,000, so still costs you a little bit, and for the extra 20 I would still go for Clayton Oliver instead. Pod. Last game of the round. I don't know why they've given this the dead time slot, because this could be the best game of the round. Sydney versus Brisbane at the SCG. Callum Mills is obviously one option. Lockie Neal is another option. Isaac Heaney? Isaac Heaney is another option. Uh, I don't like people waiting until the last game of the round, but I don't know. But this game, I don't know why it's the last game of the round. So this is probably an exception. Laddam's owners. Oscar McInerney is quite a good uh, defensive ruckman. So I yeah, would. That's fair. So I would not choose a ruckman in this as your vice captaincy or captaincy, um, captaincy because it's the last game of the round, of course. You know, Zach Bailey's quietly having a good season as well, I think. He's having a good season. I don't know if he's a good captaincy option. If it was earlier in the round of vice-captaincy option, maybe. Um, another option is also humor cluggage, if you feel so inclined. <laughs> I'm tipping Sydney. I've also tipped Sydney. And I think that's where we leave it. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I, I hate to say it, hate to pat ourselves on the back, but good podcast, Damo. Thanks, Clarky. We'll see you guys next week. Love you all. And now for some outtakes. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Well done. We're professionals. I I opened my mouth and I could feel either a cough or a hiccup or something about to come out. I saw it. I saw like a magical visual with no sound.